Hello and welcome to episode 173 of Pop Culturally Deprived, where each week we watch a movie I've never seen before, which is always still going to be most of them. They make movies faster than I can watch them, people. And then we talk about the good, the bad, and the whales. This week we're going to be talking about Whale Rider on your Sometimes You've Just Gotta Let Him Think He's the Boss podcast. I am one of your hosts, Mandy Kay, and you can find me on Twitter at Mandy Kay. I'm another one of your hosts. I'm Matthew Vose. You can find me on Twitter at Matthew Vose. Exactly. We together are your <laughs> And I'm your third host. How do you do? <laughs> <laughs> I sounded like Bane. <laughs> well, I mean, that kind of happens when you put something in front of your face. When the podcast is ashes, you have my permission to die. <laughs> no. Um, right. Continuing... Films directed by women month. Nikki yes. Caro um, and Whale Rider. Very excited to get to this one because this is a little bit the epitome of some of the stuff that I talked about a while ago about it's exciting to see films directed by women because they tend to be stories you don't always see. You know, you've mm-hmm. got more inclusivity going on with them. You've got stories about women or girls. You've got coming, you know, coming of age stories about young girls. They feel like a fairly modern thing. Um, you know, whether it's just, I haven't watched them from anything up to maybe the eighties, but Hmm. yeah. Um, and, and at the same time, we'll get into this, but I feel like more nuance about the story and the drama and the the characters around it. Yeah. I mean, I think you're right. It is definitely a more modern sensibility because I mean, a coming of age story for a girl back in history would be a girl growing up to have babies mm. and cook dinner and who wants to watch that right yeah the thing that's flashing to mind is was it adventures and babysitting where you know there's elements of coming of age in there and it's about her learning mm-hmm. a bit of maturity or, or labyrinth say you know learning some maturity but also learning friendship right. and working with people and so on but it's romance at its core you know yes. and here we have coming of age story about a girl that is not about the romance no it's romance. about her learning her position and fighting against the systemic elements in her life Brilliant. Yep. Here for it. Cue the patriarchy jingle. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so you had seen Well Rider before. Oh, yes. This. Yeah, yeah. Is it one you watched last year? Um, or had you seen a, a it? A good couple of years ago now. Before but yeah, that. I've, I've definitely seen okay. it before. Uh, one that I just rave about to people. Like, everyone should see this. I saw a note that it was, it's on some recommended list of 40 films you must see before you turn 14, something like that. And, and yeah, this is a good film for kids of any gender presenting to see yeah however i should say that best um <laughs> i'm gonna have a quick scan of that list and see if there's anything else good on there uh oh hunt for the world of people oh wajda oh wajda was good there's another film by a woman that oh um Never first film by a woman in saudi arabia by a saudi woman and it's about a 10 year old wajda who I, I, did I tell you about this? She wants to get a bicycle so she can beat her f- best friend, a boy, in a bicycle race. And there is okay. a competition of who can recite the Quran the best that will allow her to be able to pay for the bike. 
so she starts learning the Quran as best she can in a society that doesn't let girls ride bikes. <laughs> so there's a lot nice. going. Okay. That actually sounds yeah. amazing. Um, wow, this is a really good list. Tomboy. That was amazing. Finding Nemo, Sean the Sheep, Bend It Like Beckham. And yes, World Rider isn't there. Spirited Away, we've seen. That's one that always comes on this sort of yes. list. Okay. So I was actually thinking about why how this movie made it on the list because Mm. I was thinking about you always ask me why have I not Mm -hmm. seen it and my initial thought was I didn't know about this movie until we had Julia Morizawa on because this is the movie she wanted to do before she realized the perks of the wall of being a wallflower (laughs) (laughs) and I was thinking I had never heard of it until she raved about it but clearly I had because it was on the list at that point because she saw it and so it must have been you who put it on the list possibly if you had been raving about mm. it and I wasn't really aware of it. It is a terrific film. I mean, it's not... Mm-hmm. It, it, you're right. It's not hugely well-known. I mean, it's well-known because it won awards and is a fabulous film. But it's not one that people go, oh, yes, that's a film to recommend. This kind of thing. Um, right. Which is... And, and, it's only stuck with me since Julia right. recommended it. Because she did rave about it whenever we were talking mm. about what she was going to come on and talk about. Um, and... I almost wish now that we have done this that I had reached back out to her and said, hey, we're going to do Well Rider. Do you want to come talk to us about it? Because she probably would have. Um, but I didn't I didn't think to do that. When but. this episode comes out, we're going to send her a link and we're going to say, we mentioned you. We remembered you. Tell us what you thought of the film, anything you want to comment, and we'll include it in a future episode. Boom. Yeah. Great idea. Yeah. All right. So, why have you not seen this? I didn't know okay. about it. Okay. Why don't you tell us what the film's about? <laughs> I am uncultured swine, okay? <laughs> so this movie is a contemporary story of love, rejection, and triumph as a young Maori girl fights to fulfill a destiny her grandfather refuses to recognize. It's a tale as old as time. Maori. Maori? Maori. Is that yes. how you say that? I don't know that I've ever heard it oh, said okay. out loud. I've only ever read it on okay. the page. Um, that's actually one of the things I wanted to talk about with it. This is my first, I guess, foray into this culture. Mm-hmm. Um, other than knowing that, you know, people talked about it a lot uh, when Moana came out and how it portrayed South Pacific culture mm-hmm. and, and things like that. And I know that there, there was a lot said about whether or not Moana did it well or not. I know that... Mm-hmm. On the set of Aquaman, Jason Momoa led haka mm-hmm. dances. Is that how you say that? Mm-hmm. Haka? Haka? Yeah. And I know that's part of this culture. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I really don't know very much about this culture at all. And I did try to look some things mm-hmm. up. But most of what I found was very surface level and written by outsiders looking mm-hmm. in. I wasn't finding, and and to be fair, I didn't do a deep dive because who has time for those things? Um, But I really wish that I had taken the time to learn more about this culture before we talk about this movie, because I think it's very important to this movie. And I think there are probably things that I don't understand about the culture that make more sense, Mm. that would make the movie make more sense in some ways. It's hard because my main experience of um, Polynesian culture mm-hmm. is is from trips to Hawaii. So I don't think that's quite okay. analogous um, mm-hmm. in the same way to a you know New Zealand, Fiji, 
you know, th- those sorts of Pacific islands rather than um, Hawaii. But certainly one of the really interesting things about it was um, that Hawaiian is not a written language, so it didn't have a written history. So it had this thing of, you know, okay. the oral tradition, the passing on of knowledge and, and through some mm-hmm. you know, writings and drawings. But in general, like um, the, the, was it Captain Cook going to the Hawaiian Islands? They didn't, don't actually know what happened and exactly because he came, was treated well, left, came back and I think died. Oh, it's been a very long time since I read up on it. But they're not entirely sure exactly what happened because it never got written down. And mm-hmm. it's, I, I always find that really interesting as a comparison to, you know, growing up in Europe where it's like, We've got Caesar's diaries, you know. Right, so, right. Hmm. I wonder if if that's a, a, a piece of, of this culture, because it does feel very much, it's so rooted in the chanting mm-hmm. and the songs mm-hmm. and the way that they spoke and moved. Maintaining of tradition. That I wonder mm-hmm. if it's it's more of, of that kind of tradition than um, having things written mm. down. Yeah, fascinating. Which is why even... Um, the website was it I, I'm gonna butcher all of the pronunciations in this episode. I'm just gonna apologize for that now, especially when we get to names. It's just gonna be bad, but I'm gonna try my mm-hmm. best. But you, you see, so you said it's Maori. Yep. Okay, so there's a website Maori.com. Okay. But even that Maori. website is very, very, <laughs> it's very, very high level, um, and didn't feel super educational in the level I was looking okay. for. Like I wanted to know about the gods and the stories behind what we were learning in this movie because this movie had a lot of exposition about why they did the things that they mm. were. The original whale and Pykea riding the whale and coming to be the ancestor of, of everybody in this tribe. You know, that's all wonderful. I wanted to know more about that stuff. And that stuff is not easy to find. Right. A lot of what I found was when the tribe chieftains decided to go to war. <laughs> like that's that's great information, but that's not information about the culture. That's a, information about the culture trying to preserve itself. Oh my gosh, there's a kitty on my screen. <laughs> and she's not very that happy is about Kira? being killed. She suddenly walked against my foot. I was like. <gasps> <laughs> <laughs> So, Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I want to know about the culture, not about the culture fighting to preserve mm. itself, which is a wonderful thing as well. But that's just a very different set of knowledge, okay. if that yes. makes sense. And, and I don't know what is out there. There are a, a few other films about Maori people and Maori life, but they're often in this sort of vein of the erosion of that life or the difficult aspects of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so Taika Waititi, um, God, we, we, we haven't even gotten into the episode yet, have we? <laughs> We're getting into some of these discussions. Taika Waititi did, did a film called Boy, um, which is about a boy and wanting to be with his father and his father. It's a, a bit of a comedy, but it's also a bit of a drama about this boy, you know, and what role models he has or doesn't have and the life he can expect. Um, cause yeah, there is the aspect of it that is how indigenous people the world over are treated. And again, you know, mm-hmm. the, the systemic stuff against them, let alone within their own cultures. So it can lead to a very poor life and very difficult life. Mm-hmm. But I don't know what else exists around that. So we should do some research and finding. I would love to, if, if any of our listeners have suggestions, um, both about resources mm-hmm. on the culture, as well as other 
movies that we should watch or books we should mm. read. Because as you will find out shortly, this movie is based Yay. on a book. <laughs> it doesn't have Emma Watson in it. <laughs> it doesn't have Emma Watson in it. <laughs> All right. So, Whale Rider is a 2002 coming-of-age family drama that was a co-production between New Zealand and Germany. Written and directed by Nikki Caro, it is based on the 1997 novel of the same name, written by Witi Ihamara, I hope. It stars Keisha Castle-Hughes, Rawiri Paratene, Vicky Houghton, and Cliff Curtis. The film premiered at the Toronto International Film Festival before being released theatrically in 2003. At the time, 13-year-old Keisha Castle-Hughes became the youngest nominee for the Academy Award for Best Actress. At the New Zealand Film Awards, Will Ryder won nine times, having been nominated in all but one category. That was best addition to a soundtrack, something like that. Basically, best song. Okay. If this film had had a song, it would have been nominated there as well. And I think there were maybe yeah. four categories it was nominated in that it didn't win. Okay. Mm. Okay. It was definitely very um, critically acclaimed. Mm. It was very successful. And, and commercially. Even though... Yeah. I looked at... So I was trying to find... I looked at Box Office Mojo, and Box Office Mojo breaks things down by domestic, international, and then worldwide. And I couldn't figure out if when it says domestic, does it actually mean like U.S. and Canada or does it mean domestic to where it was initially released? Oh, I assume it's domestic to the U.S. Okay. That's what I assumed, Mm. but I wasn't actually positive because this movie, like even if you look at the Wikipedia page, it's it gives you the date of the uh, Toronto International Film Festival. It tells you the date it was released in New Zealand and it tells you the date it was released in Germany. Nothing else. Um, so I wasn't positive, but it was released in the U.S. at some point. Yes, because there is an option for domestic. I'm playing with Box Office Mo- Mojo now. There was a drop down and you can set it to domestic or you can set it to New Zealand and a, a whole load of other countries. But there was no option for the U.S. Okay. So domestic means U.S. So domestic is the U.S. Okay. Which, interestingly enough, it did as well in domestically in the U.S. and Canada as it did in the rest mm. of the world. Like, it's about 50-50. Yeah. Um, 40 million to both. And this had a budget of about $3.5 million U.S. dollars. Um, so to come back to and be like $80 million return, that's pretty yeah, fantastic. Very, very well. Hmm. All right. So how were you able to watch this movie over in, in the, the UK? UK? It's available on Amazon Prime. Oh. Which is good. It's not available on Amazon Prime uh. here. But it is available um, free. It's free on the Roku channel, and it is free on the FilmRise channel. Okay. um, Which apparently Roku stole it from because the FilmRise logo comes up when you play it on the Roku channel. Interesting. (laughs) Um, It does have commercials. Mm -hmm. And I will tell you, the commercial breaks are just set in at a specific time. Like, taking no account into content. (laughs) Like like, like modern podcasts. (laughs) Oh, it was, yes, it was terrible. There were some places where that was just not where a commercial should go. So the film's directed by Nikki Caro. Yes. And again, I'm assuming I'm pronouncing that right. Starring Keisha Castle-Hughes and a whole load of other people. Any experience of anyone here? Nikki Caro, no. Um, Although she has directed the live-action Mulan that I really, really Mm -hmm. want to see. (laughs) That I haven't seen yet. That is the thing that's going to test my resolve about not going back to the cinema. 
Oh, you know. Apparently, I was reading about her, and I think she's only the second female director from that studio to direct a movie that's over a hundred mm-hmm. million dollar budget. Yeah, that's insane. I mean, it's not because we live in the yeah. They haven't but, given you know, female directors it, it, the opportunity, so. I know, I know, the, I know, but only second. That's that's why we're doing a month of yeah. movies by female mm. directors. Uh, the, the the first was Ava DuVernay with uh, Wrinkle in Time, so that was only a couple of years ago. Yes. Um, I mean, even Captain Marvel was a joint woman and man directing it. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, no, the Mulan looks like the one that is going to work as a live action because they've changed the story, they've made it better. Mm. Mm. Yes, I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward mm. to it. Yes. Uh, Keisha Castle-Hughes. Keisha Castle-Hughes, I didn't recognize her name or her face, okay. but when I looked at her filmography, I realized I have seen her. <laughs> She was in Star Wars Episode Mm 3. She was in an episode of The Walking Dead. She had a character arc in Game of Thrones. So she is still acting. She's doing great things. (laughs) I mean, sometimes these 13-year-olds from a long time ago aren't still acting. Yeah, I mean, she's 30 now. But she is. Exactly. Um, Everyone else. uh, I recognized Cliff Curtis's Mm -hmm. face. But I didn't know his name. And then when I saw his name, it just still didn't sound familiar. Um, but he's done a lot of TV stuff. There was an aspect of him of he's the you know New Zealand Maori who gets cast in everything. Yeah. yeah. He's just what Hollywood goes to. You just kind of see him around a yeah. lot. He was, he was the Rock's brother in um, Fast and Furious, Hobbs and Shaw. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm, whatever you think of that. Um, and so the br- you remember the uncle? And you remember yes. his girlfriend? His yes. girlfriend is Rachel House, who okay. has done huge amounts of things. She's been in lots of, obviously, New Zealand films, a number of American things. She w- has been a, a dialogue coach for a number of things, interestingly, particularly yeah. for younger stars. Um, she's in Thor Ragnarok, because really? she works with Taika Waititi a lot, and he cast her as Topaz. Oh, okay. And it's funny. I don't remember a character named Topaz. Uh, but- Jeff Goldblum's sidekick. Oh, wait, really? That's, That's her? her? Oh, my god! And it, it stands out because she's the... It, she's very similar to her role in Hunt for the Wilder People. It's very okay. similar in, in a few ways. So okay. She's also the grandma in Moana. Oh. Mm. Okay. So... I didn't look her up because she felt like such a minor okay. character yeah. in Whale Rider. Like, I was only paying attention to, like, the main main But, people. yes, there, there is this proper community. They cast each other in, in everything. It's very cool. Um, okay, so experience of similar material. Have you seen Moana? I have seen okay. Moana. I love Moana. Yeah. And I ca- I was getting Moana vibes from this. And then I felt like, wait, can I say that? Like, it's not like all New Zealand movies are the same. Not all New Zealand movies with a preteen female protagonist are the same either. But it kind of No, but like it is it. about a tribe and a girl learning leadership and going on a coming of age sort of story. Yes. Yes. Um, I love Moana. It makes me cry every time. Nice. I, I, I mean, maybe we can talk about this. I think this is a better version of Moana, but I prefer a drama. So I missed the songs. <laughs> there was Moana there was songs has such in a this. great soundtrack. <laughs> but but Pi didn't sing. She did. No. She, okay, you're right. She did. <laughs> she did. I take it back. It also doesn't have, you know, Jermaine Clement doing his David Bowie impression, and it doesn't have Lin-Manuel Miranda written songs. And 
So right. I, I mentioned the film Boy from Taika Waititi, which was his film just before. Um, it was his second film, but the one he did before um, What We Do in the Shadows. There's also a film okay. called Once Were, War- Once Were Warriors, which I cannot say very well. Have you seen or heard? Does that mean anything? I'm not familiar with I it. I haven't seen it either. It's on the list of films I would like to see. As I understand, okay. it's about indigenous Maori people and the poverty they live in. To the good but I have not seen it, so I don't know what it's actually about. Well, it's from 1994. Mm. It's one of those ones you, you see listed as like criterion novel. classics. You know, it's supposed to be wonderful. So okay, that's the other one I think would be interesting to watch as a you know trying to understand more of this other culture. Oh, hey, Cliff Curtis well, is in it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. Right. Did you enjoy uh, Where Rider? I did. I absolutely nice. did. But I'm. I'm almost always going to enjoy a coming-of-age story, hmm. honestly. I do enjoy them a lot. Does it make a difference if it was a coming-of-age story for a girl? I don't think so. I mean, y- yes, there is a difference between a coming-of-age story for a boy and a girl, but I don't think that affects the enjoyability of okay. it. I just enjoy watching people grow up and learn who they are and become who they are. And in many ways, I think I enjoy that because that's something that I did not do until much okay. later in my right. life. And so watching stories where a 13-year-old or a 12-year-old mm. is figuring out who they are is inspiring right. to me. Nice. Even as a 37-year-old, it's inspiring. I think that's why I love Moana so much, and that's why Moana makes me cry. <laughs> Because my heart aches because I wish I had been like her at that okay, age. Yeah, yeah. I wish I had been like Pi when I mm-hmm. was 12. And and so I think that that goes a long way towards why I really enjoy coming of age okay. stories. Because I, I was wondering whether the, the aspect of this, and, and you've mentioned it a couple of times, the fighting the patriarchy aspect would have particularly mm-hmm. appealed. Well, it does. Absolutely. Um <laughs> Duh, <laughs> but but in in making the film even more enjoyable for you, as I like, oh, this was amazing. This is empowering. Yes, it's I like want icing to go and on smash the cake. Patriarchy. Yes, yes, very much so. It's it's definitely the icing on the okay. cake. Like, had this been Hemi's story instead of Pi's mm-hmm. story, I still would have been excited by it because he's still a twelve year old who is learning about his history, mm. about his culture trying to figure out if he could take the place of a leader and could he grow into that position. That would be interesting to me as well. But the story we got is much more interesting because we do have the twist that it's not supposed to be a girl Mm -hmm. according to oral patriarchal Mm -hmm. history. But guess what? The ancestors have a different story (laughs) to tell. Yeah. Right? So that that does make it better. So... in the way it was told and the way that this coming of age story works, is there something that makes it better? Oh, how, how to say this question well? I think it's the sort of story that has fairly familiar beats and elements to it and tropes that are used. Coming up against you know, mm-hmm. something stopping you doing, something stopping you doing, and finally you sort of prove your worth um, or overcome your fear, that kind of thing. Are there aspects to the story, both in the way this was told and in the story, in ge- like coming of age stories in general, that you look for that appeal? Is it just that outcome again? I think it's just the outcome because this one, I don't think this one followed the tropes mm. super clearly. 
Because the things that I expected to happen didn't okay, happen. Okay, such as? Um, so I thought what was going to happen was she was going to take over finishing carving her father's waka. Mm-hmm. And that was going to be how she proved her worth as long as well as, you know, listening to the stories through the window, learning how to fight with the right. stick. I can't remember what you actually call that thing. It had a very specific name and I can't remember what Taiha? it was. But T-A-I-A-H-A. Taiha is what okay. I'm going with. And, and I, I expected her to take a more proactive approach to trying to show her grandfather mm-hmm. that she could do it. And she didn't. Mm. She did it in secret. When he caught her, she backed mm-hmm. down. She never outright asked to learn. And in most of these stories, Moana, for example, that's a perfect mm. one. She begs it's for actually it. actually butting up against and it. And yeah. she chooses. Mm. she chooses to defy her family to go find her truth. Mm-hmm. And none of that happens in the story. And it may be because this is rooted more in reality than fairy tale. Right. And Moana is a Disney movie. It's a fairy sure. tale. Um, and so that may be the difference that I'm seeing there. But it, it felt more real and less trippy mm-hmm. because of those differences. Does that yeah, make sense? Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I think I completely agree with you. It's interesting how the, the whole film is almost all drama. There's no sort of action set piece. No thing she does that is, you know, a big fight sequence where she proves herself or... Right. She didn't win the competition and get absolutely. A she doesn't run away in the rain and almost drown and have to be rescued, and it's all yeah, right. that kind of thing. And when she does get on the whale's back, she does it after everybody's turned away. She's not doing it in front mm. of everybody, saying, "Hey, look at what I yeah. can do." And she's expecting to like, die. She never does mm. that. She is prepared to die. I don't entirely understand that beat. Okay. I don't know why she thought she had to die because it was clear that she knew up to a point she knew that she could do it, which is why she called out to Mm. them. She said in her voiceover, my grandfather speaks to them. They don't listen. So I called them and they heard Mm. me. Right. She sees that difference and recognizes that she had some value that he didn't have there. But she goes so dark with it. Mm-hmm. When, when the whales wash up on the beach, she says, they listen to me, but this isn't right. And now they're dying. Yeah. And she put that on herself and then thought to herself, well, the only way I can fix this is if I go mm-hmm. die. And I didn't quite get that logical leap. Okay. I, I think for me, the, the way I take it, it's just the thing of I'm going to raid a whale out into the ocean. This is not a very safe thing. It is not possible to swim right. back and no one is looking and no one knows I'm going to be there. So, right, okay. Like it's a practicality okay. more than a, I have to give my life for this thing. It's just, if I do this, I know it's dangerous for me, but it's worth doing because it's going to save these wells and maybe save my people. Yeah, I mean, she did literally say, I'm prepared mm. to die. So the expectation for her if she did this thing was that she wasn't coming yeah, back from absolutely. it. absolutely. And I wonder if some of this is, again, it's a female director. So the story is told, not going for some of those tropes, not, you know, pulling on heartstrings in uh, a a sympathetic way rather than I'm going to make you all worried for this thing. And it's, you know, Mm -hmm. takes us through it properly. I don't know whether I'm putting a lot on someone to say, oh, because of her 
gender and upbringing, her understanding of the world, she's made this film that's subtly different to something else. Maybe, maybe mm-hmm. not. But, you know, it feels like we're so used to watching coming-of-age stories by men about boys that you expect how that story goes. Yeah. And now suddenly it's something completely different. Who knows? Um, mm-hmm. it, it's really interesting because it's a coming-of-age story. It's also a chosen one story. But it's yes. not a chosen one story like Harry Potter, Anakin Skywalker. It's just if she is the chosen one or her twin brother would have been the chosen one, they would have been the leader of the tribe who would have cleared up the septic tank when it got blocked and sort of kept kept the traditions. <laughs> right. But, you know, yeah. it doesn't it doesn't mean anything in a, oh, this is the person who's going to save us from a thousand years of imperial rule. <laughs> right. and, and I love it for that. I, I, we've said it elsewhere. I love a story that does sort of small stuff rather than this film has to be about the end of the world or people won't care. You know, because right. we do care. And this was not about the end of the world. This was about a very small tribe and a, fam- a very small family mm-hmm. within that tribe and their specific way of mm-hmm. life on a small yeah. island that's shaped like a whale. Beautiful. Love it. One other thing that she didn't do that I would have expected to be done in a story like this, um, Pai set the chair for her grandfather to come watch her do her mm-hmm. speech. And he was going to come, and I thought he was going to show up, and him hearing her do the speech was going to be the thing that changes his heart. But instead, he finds the whales, doesn't make it. It breaks her heart. She gives her speech with tears streaming down Actual tears from this 14-year-old actress, yeah. That that made me terrible. I had to be careful because crying right now is not good for me. With my recent uh, nasal surgery that I had, dear listener who doesn't need to know about that, but crying is not something I need to do right now, and so I had to like make myself not yeah, do yeah. that. I did get a little. Oh, even I did. It, it, it is so be, because you're absolutely right, and and they do the beat earlier with her father coming to watch her sing and her performance, mm-hmm. and he does turn up, and he is proud of her for what she does there. And and that has that moment. And yeah, absolutely. Every other film. I I feel like, you know, Love Actually is this, you know, one that does this where they all turn mm. up just at the right time to see the thing happen at the end and so on. It's right. it, it is such a Yeah, trope. this So while it's clear this this is a fiction story, it didn't have the magic of fiction mm-hmm. behind it, right? Like Things weren't rescued in the nick of time. She didn't suddenly realize her grandfather loves her. Her grandfather didn't suddenly Mm. realize that because she has this ability, she's fine. It took her doing step A, step B, step C, and then almost dying Mm -hmm. for him to finally recognize her for what she was. And in any other movie any other Disney movie for sure, which is most of the coming of age movies that I've mm-hmm. seen, you get those in the nick of time. Yep. Things happen. They come to you when you need Pull them. the sword from the stone. <laughs> yeah. Yes, exactly. Mm. Yeah, no, this movie's fantastic. It's, it's, it's brilliant. It's so good, isn't it? Yeah. And, and so, you know, we're talking about her because it is her story. She absolutely drives everything and it's all rooted around her. But there are so many other characters and stories going on that I mm-hmm. think are done incredibly well in and of themselves. The grandfather particularly, I mean, it, he is sexist and misogynistic, but not in a mean way. You don't get the sense that he hates women. No, I, I flipped back and forth on hating him and loving him. 
it's it's hard. But again, that's that's rooted in mm. realism, right? Like he is utterly, utterly a product of his generation, mm. of his world, of his rules. You know, he's the product of misogyny and the patriarchy, but he still loves yeah. Pi. He absolutely loves her. And they didn't do a good job of showing that it hurt him to treat her that way. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure that it did because in his mind, this is how it is and she should know better. But they did do a good job of showing in the moments where it was just the two Mm -hmm. of them that he did love her. That even though she wasn't what he hoped for the family and his introduction to her was take the child away. Right. You know, I thought in that moment it was just take her into another room. No, he meant take the child away, mm-hmm. <laughs> like gone. The way that he treated her, though, when she just wanted to do what everybody else was, she wanted to be what he yeah. wanted. And she couldn't be a boy. So the best thing she could do was learn the traditions. Mm. And he wouldn't let her. And it made me hate him a little yeah. bit. And it's it's a superbly written and performed character, I think, that, that exactly like you say, like... He is a he's her grandfather and he's the leader of the tribe and he does the right thing for people, but also just doesn't let her do the thing that she's clearly and <clears throat> excuse me, he's looking for someone who has the heart, you know, and is the warrior and will lead them in the right way. And right. there's just he cannot see that his granddaughter could have that heart. And she is very clearly, from everything we see, the one who has it. All the boys are a bit mm-hmm. silly and crap. <laughs> And she's the one who, yeah. you know, as you say, can be the thing he wants. But he just has blinkers and, and can't even picture what that looks like, a girl doing it. Mm. Yeah. There is, well, I'm trying to find my notes. There was one thing he said, though, that just, hmm. I didn't take a lot of notes on this because I was just paying attention to the movie and that, that's good yeah, um, i think it is the, the sort of film that you do just soak in and see the story because it's not a long film either so yeah things like you know he said she's no use to oh. me um and this was when she was 12 mm. like this is not talking about baby mm. pie this is 12 year old pie who he loves she's no use to me um and then when her dad decides not to come back. He's having a child in Germany yeah. that he hopes is a girl. His first reaction is, I'm going to need all the firstborn boys. Yeah. You know? And then when Hemi gets caught um, helping her spar. And, yeah. And that cuts Hemi out of the running. Like, he just cuts him out at that yeah, point. Yeah, the fact he's been beaten by a girl. And and there's there's an interesting story in there. I mean, the, exactly you said it earlier. There's an interesting story from Hemi's perspective. There's an interesting story of... Her impact as a girl beating a boy, she does him some damage. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're in her viewpoint, so good on her. But it's like... That's interesting. No, you're right about that. But I didn't interpret that as if the issue was that she beat him. I interpreted it that the issue was that he let her do it at all. Okay. Because she was holding the taiga. Tahai, Tahai. She was holding one, even though it was just a mm-hmm. stick, but she was holding one on sacred ground and she was a girl. And he let her do it and helped her do okay. it. And I thought that's why he was so angry with her, not because, or why Cora was so angry with Timmy mm-hmm. because of that, not 
that she beat oh, interesting. him. Interesting. I, I, but it yeah. actually might even be a combination. I, I took it as, no, the girl beat you. You can't be in the club anymore. Oh. Which, and, yeah, and it's, it's honestly probably, probably a some of combination of yeah. the two. Yeah. Mm. So, yeah, the, the grandfather's a fascinating thing. The grandmother, equally interesting, you know, has her own little world, sits and smokes when the family is out of the house, all of this. The father. Oh, I love the nanny. Yeah, the, the father, the uncle, they're all, like, they all have their own stories going on and, and some history within this tribe, within the culture that we're seeing parts yeah. of. And, and because obviously we're not seeing their story, not all of. But I feel like they all get satisfying things. You can see how much the grandmother cares for Pi. You know, she is just broken at the end when Pi, it, it looks like, has disappeared with the whale. She's yeah. distraught and it comes across so strongly. And she, you know, when he says, who, you know, which one found this, she's like, how can you ask that? How can you not see what everyone else can see? Brilliant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All the performances were stunning. Mm. And, and I, I love a film like this that you can watch and just have all these. You can sit and think about, oh, you know, the, so the uncle who sits around getting high and drinking, and and he's obviously was under pressure to become chief as well, and has rejected that in his own way by becoming unfit for well, it. Well, but he was never. He wasn't firstborn. It was never going to be him. <sighs> no. Okay. So I perhaps this is a headcanon. Then I have a thing that because the father disappeared off and, and was rejecting that responsibility. Would they not have put it on the uncle to then be his, his, the second born? I don't think mm. so. Discuss. Um, yeah, no, I don't think so. Because he was so insistent that, oh, I can't remember her dad's name, but Cliff Curtis's character, he was so insistent, well, you can try again. You can have another one. You can do this again. Like right away. Like, he just lost mm. his wife and one of his children. And he's like, no, you can go have another kid. Right. Mm. And then even when he came back, even though it was just to try and get Pi to go with him. Like, he tried to get Pi's dad to step up mm-hmm. again. Because this is, you're the firstborn. You didn't have a firstborn son. This is still up to you. I think he's so stuck in his ways that there's no way he would let his secondborn son be a contender. That's interesting. So then the the flip side of that, it's just making me think, right, so because he had nothing to work for or to do you know he clearly and there is a story there then that he was good with the stick yeah. and, and could have done the thing but because it was never going to happen he gave up and that's how i read mm, it even more interesting whereas you compare that to Pi, who it was never going to happen so she found a way to make it happen and do what was necessary yeah yes but the bit i love about her story is uh, going back to it that she wants to you know she knows she could be chief she could do it well she knows what would be expected of her um, and she she does what's expected of her even as a girl. She knows how to do the chants and work with her grandmother and the, the you know female side mm-hmm. of the culture. You said about there's no uh, in Moana. She's she's butting up against the I want to go and explore. I don't want to live on the island. I want to go and do all this sort of sort of thing. Pi doesn't have the words to express what she wants. She doesn't know it's how true. to say what you're saying is ridiculous. That be, just because I'm a girl, I can't be I can't be chief. That's ridiculous. She, right. she does not know because, you know, even in her mind, that's not, you know, the, the way tradition and culture is shaped. But at the same time, she can do these things. So she's doing those things. Right. And that's how tradition is broken and systems are crushed. Hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> I think I'm, I'm glad you put that into words that way, because I think that's part of why I love uh, Keisha's performance so mm-hmm. much, because you can see that on her face. You can see her standing there 
wanting to defy her grandfather and not knowing yeah. how and not entirely knowing mm-hmm. why. Just, I should be allowed to sit here too. Mm-hmm. I should be allowed to hear these stories and to learn these things. And you can see it on her face that she's so conflicted and confused. And the whole way through, mm. she she has an element of innocence, yeah, yeah, I guess, behind her motivation. And you can see it. Like, she didn't set out to defy her grandfather mm. or to hurt anybody. Yeah, she's she doing, just love. doing her. Mm. She's just doing her, right? She's just being pie and figuring yeah. it out. So I think I, I do think that's probably my favorite thing about it is is her performance, which is probably why she became the youngest Academy Award yeah. nominee ever, and until a decade later. But well, you know, and that's fine. Other people can do good stuff. That is, I, I, I think, because she gives a wonderful performance all the way through. But that bit where she reads the speech, the speech is a token of my deep love and respect for Koro Apirana, my grandpa. My name is Pakia Apirana. Go on, Bob. And I come from a long line of chiefs stretching all the way back to Hawaii, where our ancient ones are. The ones that first heard the land crying and sent a man. His name was also Paikia. And I'm the most recent descendant. But I was not the leader my grandfather was expecting. And by being born, I broke the line back to the ancient ones. It wasn't anybody's fault. It just happened. Because she's so, so young good. and to conjure such emotion. I mean, she is good all the way through. But then that moment, and, and it is it is heartbreaking because he's not there. And she is saying the things of, you know, this is what I want to say to my grandfather, but I don't know how. And here's what I think. And she is the, the voice of the future, the voice of her generation. Yeah, she finally had mm. the words. But she had... You know, but she started out, I am the last of a long line yeah. of chiefs. This is what I can do. It, she found it like that speech was amazing and it was specifically for mm-hmm. him and that he was going to that we as the audience know he was going to come and then didn't. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And just God, watching her cry through it. I'm glad she still did it. I kept waiting for her to run off the, mm-hmm. the stage crying. And she didn't. She finished it. And I'm so glad yeah. she did. I mean, yeah, she does everything that proves she's a chief. But again, like you said earlier, like she has to do all of it. And then eventually he looks at it at the end and he looks at it as a whole rather than each instant on its own. It's like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, she could do it, couldn't she? Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then it ends up like Moana with them all on a boat heading off somewhere. <laughs> Apparently, I did read this, that it was against, I, I don't know if it's a law. It was how about this. It was forbidden for women to be in one of those oh, boats. Really? Mm-hmm. And so it was a big deal that she was. Um, I don't know if that ever changed, like how old that is. 
Like if it's changed more recently. Mm, I didn't, didn't know that. Or if at the time, I would assume at the time of the story, because of Cora's insistence that a woman can't be this, mm. that it was probably still a factor. Mm. But it was for the warriors. Yeah. And for some reason, women weren't included in that. Because different... Let's ask the ancient Spartans how they feel different about Different chromosomes mean you can't hunt. <laughs> I, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So what were your favorite moments? I mean, we... we have honestly we've gushed about the whole movie we have said nothing <laughs> negative about it at all no, yeah there was nothing in this that i would say we should change that we should do differently i love all of it right um i love all of the characters i love her father uh, the, the, the wonderful wonderful moment where the grandfather brings in the teacher and he accidentally in inverted <laughs> commas shows the slides of the woman he's having a baby with and and the father is clearly <laughs> successful. He's got exhibitions of his art in other countries. You know, he's clearly doing something right, but he is not right for their traditions and their culture. Fine. Right. But I just, you know, he's got his own story and the teacher's clearly got a story. And <laughs> love it. Oh, I felt so bad oh, for her. Just, you know what? Oh, terrible. Um, it's so pretty. I mean, I, I would love to go to New Zealand and travel around. It's, a, it's another place I want to go and take, you know, a good few months to visit everywhere and see all of it it just looks stunning uh, and this is one of those things you do read about um uh, some films and, and again films by people from the culture the film is showing because that's also not always been a thing that mm-hmm. you know um what's the, what's the one i'm thinking of it's a film called real women have curves which is set in uh, a latinx area of los angeles I can't remember which area i'm afraid but the part of the point of the way it was filmed was showing the vibrancy and the color and the the quality of life that they have in in those areas because normally it's shown as slums and horrid and people working in factories right kind of thing and this has that you know it's it's a very small village fishing village i think well and they i mean they did film it on yeah exactly and it's separated from what we would again inverted commas call civilization it's not a city it's not a town nothing like that but they just make it look wonderful you know i just want to go and stay there frankly that's what i want to see out lockdown <laughs> Me and my Kindle. <laughs> All right. So yeah, just the the visuals of it just made me want to go and visit and go and stay there because it's so beautiful, and, and the emotion of it. You know, the the emotion of it comes particularly with her reading of the the speech. But then, I mean, it makes me believe that she could die at the end. I absolutely buy it mm-hmm. that that this film could be about her short life, but bringing hope to the tribe in some way or doing something. And I, right. I think they sell it and, and they sell the emotion of it when she disappears at the end. That Yes, they could actually go down this path. Whereas again, mm-hmm. other, other films, other films of this type, you sort of, no, she's going to be fine. I don't believe it. Mm. Right. Yeah, no, there was definitely a question. It was not certain mm. of what the outcome yeah. was going to be. And, and because of her voiceover, because it has this darkness to it all the way through, that it is kind mm. of, this is the story of how I died. <laughs> Sort of voiceover. That's exactly what I was just thinking mm. of. <laughs> yeah, it's she did the voiceover incredibly, um, all the mm. way through, as well. There's nothing that she did that wasn't mm. amazing. It, it's just it's so well told throughout. It keeps you know it's not a long film. There's no fat on it that I think you could trim off. Every character has uh-uh. interesting stuff. The stuff with Himmy and his father, who clearly has something going on with these other guys and. 
Yeah, there are interesting stories yeah. everywhere you look in this, but we're following the most interesting one. Mm-hmm. Um, how about you? What were your favorite things of this? I well, I mean, I, I I've talked extensively about Keisha's performance, and I think that that is the thing. But I'm also a really big fan of uh, the character of Nanny, mm-hmm. her, her grandmother saying things like you've got to sometimes you have to make them think that he's the boss <laughs> yeah. like she she sees how stuck he is in his ways and she doesn't hold with that mm. it doesn't stop her from loving him it doesn't stop her from being with him but his ways also don't stop her from being who yeah, she is absolutely. she does what she has to do to keep the peace but she's still her own person and she very much believes what she mm. believes and she knows what she knows and She's she's exactly the kind of person that Pi's going to grow up yeah, to be. Yeah, honestly, mm-hmm. exactly. Um, and I loved that we got to see mm. that. Yeah, it's a shame we didn't get to see more of Pi's mother and see some yeah. of that story as well. But yeah. Well, I mean, when you open a movie, with yeah, the hard child, to do, isn't it? Yeah, there's absolutely. not a lot you can do there. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I think I mean overall, I just really enjoyed the story, and I I love that it's not a cookie cutter tropey story. It's really well done. It's rooted in realism. Mm-hmm. As real as you can get whenever this is a movie about a little girl asking a whale to unbeach himself and he does. Mm-hmm. Right. I that borders on the fantastical for oh, yeah. me, but Yeah, it, it, I, and I, I like that it has just the hint, the, the just the edge of it has a you could ascribe some of these to mystical elements. Could also just be like the whales heard her and they came for her, yeah. and you know she got him to to move that that. But but it was done so well that the movie didn't show a hint of mysticism, no. mm-hmm. like in its visuals and in, in anything. Um, it was just this is our life and this is what we believe and and here's the whales that we worship and here's what we're going to do with them right like it was it was very matter of fact and cut and dried and it wasn't oh the whales are talking Mm -hmm. to me right we didn't get that at all And there's no aspect of and and the whale turns around and the sun comes up behind her and (laughs) right like i almost i mean given that it's called whale Mm -hmm. rider i almost expected a scene Mm. like that I mean, not necessarily with the sun but with her riding the whale and everybody turns around and sees her doing it and like in a free willy yep, kind of yep, moment, yep. right, where her arms are outstretched and the water is splashing in her face and it's just wonderful and she's happy and everybody's like, oh, she's the chosen mm-hmm. one. And we didn't get that. We got, because she almost died because she rode the back of a whale as he swam yeah. away, right? And if you hold on to a whale as he's diving down, you can't hold your breath that long. Uh, it's so good. I More movies need to be like mm. this. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, I love the Hollywoodized version of things. I love Hallmark movies. I love Happily Ever After. I love seeing the fictionalized, like, the best version of something. But sometimes I like a change, and I like to see how things actually are. Yeah, there is the great thing about films that they can show us stuff that's not real, which is great, Mm -hmm. and I want to see that. But every so often, seeing something that is just real and is just telling a story, wonderful, Mm -hmm. great. I, I, yeah. I come in if I yeah. told you about this, but I watched a rom-com a while ago that was largely two nice people meet, fall in love, have a problem, break up, and possibly get back together at the end. It was just such a, like, this is how romances work. 
and not not the you know, big <laughs> moment happily ever after. it had some of the tropey stuff in, in it but it was more much right. more down to earth and it was just like okay. i can see why all rom-coms don't do this but it is so nice to watch it every so often <laughs> yeah right yeah okay all right since we have been incessantly gushing about this movie is there anything else that we need to discuss about whale Riders? i i wanted to ask you about films by women uh, and i know we've watched three um and three fairly different films i think as well i mean have you felt that there was anything different in these in the way they're told anything that you wouldn't necessarily have seen had they been made by men probably i mean because we talked both in this one and whip it about how the coming of age stories directed by women are portrayed to be a little bit Mm -hmm. different than what we would normally see um you get some of those quieter moments you get Mm -hmm. some of those like inner strength moments less action right but again, I, I don't necessarily know that that's because it's directed by a woman or if it's because the subject matter has been women. Mm-hmm. It's probably a combination of the two. Mm. Yeah, yeah. But I can tell you that I don't, I don't watch a movie and immediately go, oh, that was directed by a woman. It's rare that I do that, but I also don't think about no. that, and I yeah, probably yeah. should. Yeah. There have been movies where I've been like, wow, that's really good. And then I find out it was directed by a woman and I'm like, oh, that <laughs> that'll be now. why. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, but it's not something that I've ever looked for. Mm-hmm. And it should okay. be like I, you know, it's something that I've I've tried to become slightly more aware of since you've been talking about it, because I know you have a goal mm-hmm. this year of watching 52 as ever, directed yeah, yeah. by women. By women, yeah, every year. <laughs> Which I think is wonderful. And what you know, watching the wide range of movies that you have to watch to get that many, like. <laughs> He's talking to the kitty. Say hello to Mandy. Hello, Mandy. We love Aww. you. Oh, <laughs> no, no scratching. Oh, but scratching so much mm. fun. She doesn't like being helped, sorry. Yeah. I, I think um I think I should be more aware of it and I should pay attention. And I think this conversation and this movie are going to help me do that oh, thing. Good. Okay. Moving mm. forward. Um and then maybe I'll be able to better answer your mm. question. Honestly, I think probably what happens is I just assume if I'm watching it, it was directed by a man. Certainly for the podcast. I mean this is the thing that I found hard like we watch a lot of films by men because historically women haven't had the opportunities to direct and we're watching films that are classics so films right. by women don't get the opportunity to direct films the films they do get are not as backed by studios not as commercially successful necessarily because they don't get the advertising because people think it's going to be a failure so there's a whole again systemic thing against it and so many of them are more recent which mm. are more likely to be movies that i mm-hmm. have seen absolutely so that's that's something to be aware of. So, okay. I wondered if you, if you had picked yeah. up on anything that, and, and again, it's stuff that I might not pick up on because it's not my experience. Mm. Right. I need to be a better movie watcher, <laughs> podcast person. Not at all. at all. Is what I'm getting from this conversation. It's hard because for the 52 films by women each year, it means maintaining watch lists and looking out for. Okay you know what films by women are available on the services that i can then go and watch and what films are coming up but you know right. it takes effort and investment to do it because naturally 
women get fewer opportunities to the films that come on Sky that I might just click or, or Netflix or something I might just click and go oh I'll watch that right much more likely yeah. to be by men so it's you know hard and hard and disappointing or disappointed that it is hard but not disappointing to do yes. I thoroughly enjoy doing it I get to see some really interesting Good. weird variants of films so mm. right um, cool. I also forgot to mention. I completely forgot to mention this up top, which I'm, I am going to apologise for not doing. Our friends that I mentioned last week at Nature Finds a Way, who came on only a couple of weeks ago, they actually did Whale Rider a while ago. They oh, are. Okay. I mean, they are marine biologists right. <laughs> in recovery, as they say. Um, so they did a really interesting one on some of the aspects of the nature of it, but also the the cultural aspects, which was really interesting. Did they do it on Nature Finds a Way or on Whale Tales? Oh, definitely on Nature Finds a Way. I would imagine it's referenced on Whale Tales a, a few times. So, Okay. I mean, because that just feels like a missed yeah, opportunity absolutely. if they didn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so do, do go All check right. that one out because that's uh, a really, really interesting episode. Yeah, I will actually uh, try to link to it mm, in the show notes. Mm, good idea. All right. Well, if you would like to join the conversation, you can use the hashtag PC Deprived on Twitter. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Eloquent Gushing, or you can send an email to podcast at eloquentgushing.com. Don't forget, we are completely funded by listeners like you through Patreon. Uh, you can get access to exclusive content, you can get physical merch, and you can help support us and develop new shows from just $1 a month. Uh, please go and check out to find out more. You can go to patreon.com slash eloquentgushing. And we will be back next week where we are going to wrap up our run of women-directed films with The Matrix Revolutions. Until then, I am Andy Kay. And we've got to protect our child-bearing properties. Pop Culturally Deprived is an Eloquent Gushing production. For more information, visit eloquentgushing.com or find us on Twitter at Eloquent Gushing.